and uh, therefore he had it on both sides, and I forgot to mention that to him. So, if you want to turn in your Bibles to the book of Malachi, again from Matthew, just go back a few uh, a few books, and you will find Malachi. And we've been talking about uh, giving to God what is due Him. And when we talk about this again, we're in the Old Testament, so the covenant that we're speaking about here, meaning the blessings and the cursings um, that are here, are um, specifically for Israel. So we don't want to counterblend these things. We can learn from these things, we can um, apply some of these things to our life, make them applicable to us. But understanding that specifically the, the blessings and the cursings are for Israel. And so they're going to be talking about the um, tribe of Levi. And the Levites were the ones that were the priests. They were the ones that uh, were in charge of the tabernacle, of the offerings. And Levi was the ancestor of the tribe of the Levites. So when you look back in the Old Testament, you'll read about Levi, and that's who Levi was. And, and they were set apart for the service of God. And if we look back into Numbers, and I think we have some of these in our bulletin. If not, uh, you can make note of it. But in Numbers 1, 47 through 54, I'm just going to read through a little bit of that because this is part of the, uh, the process of these Levites being set apart for God. But the Levites were not numbered among them by their father's tribe. For the Lord had spoken to Moses, saying, Only the tribe of Levi shall you not number, nor take a census of them among the children of Israel. But you shall appoint the Levites over the tabernacle of the testimony, over all of its furnishing, over all of the things that belong to it. They shall carry the tabernacle and all of its furnishings. They shall attend to it and camp around the tabernacle. And when the tabernacle is to go forward, the Levites shall take it down. And when the tabernacle is set up, the Levites shall set it up. The outsider who comes near shall be put to death. The children of Israel shall pitch their tents, every one by his own camp, every one by his own standard, according to their armies. But the Levites shall camp around the tabernacle of the testimony, that there may be no wrath on the congregation of the children of Israel, and the Levites shall keep charge of the tabernacle of the testimony. Thus the children of Israel did according to all that the Lord commanded Moses. So they did. So we see that they were given the responsibility of everything around the tabernacle, around the handling of God's word, around the, the furnishings, around all this. They didn't even have laborers that would come in and set up. The priests were responsible for all that. The, tree, the tribe excuse me, of, of uh, Levi was responsible for all these things. And they became God's priests, first in the tabernacle and then in the temple. So they were the, the, uh, the spokespeople for God. They were the ones to proclaim God's word to the rest of the people. But in Malachi's day, as we've been reading, they had stopped loving God. And they really didn't know anymore what it was to have that relationship with God. And this is where we said that we can apply some of these things. The Old Testament, they had priests, and we said in the New Testament, we have been called a royal priesthood. So God, in a sense, has said, you know, we are now accountable for our own spiritual walk. Now, in the Old Testament, 
they were still responsible for their walk, but it was the priests who were the intercessors. They were the ones that would make the offerings and they would do the sacrifices. Now it's us. We have the Holy Spirit. Jesus has paid that price. He was the perfect sacrifice. And it's up to us now. But we can look at this and still say, you know, have we stopped loving God? Do we care what God cares about? Do we even know what he wants anymore? It's sort of sad during this whole COVID thing that it's a time when really um, believers should be, be coming together for things that we are so divided on things. And it's really a sad state on Christianity. We're to be examples to those around us. God has given us commands in his word, and we've talked about those in the past, and, and we're to live and walk according to those principles that God has set for us, regardless of what we think or what we want. But we have become a, a, a nation, we have become a people that are so consumed with what I want that the rest doesn't matter. And so it was in Levite's day, these priests had become consumed with what they wanted. They had become greedy. They had become at a point where they were cheating God of his reverence, of his due and what was due him. They claimed God as their father and they professed serving him, but really their hearts were far from him. They really showed him no respect. And don't we see that in the New Testament where it says that? With their lips they honor me, but their hearts are far from me. See, we live in a day today where the churches will be filled probably today with a lot of people. And they praise God. They'll be singing some of the songs. They'll be listening to the sermons. But what is it that their life shows when they walk out the doors? What is it that our life shows each and every day? Are we being that example? Are we placing God first or are we placing ourselves first? I read a challenging article and, and maybe I'll make a copy of it. But it said, are we Christian Americans or are we American Christians? And the emphasis was tremendous on the two. Because we've been blessed to live in a country where we have a lot of freedoms, where we have the freedom of choice. But as Christians, our choice needs to be for God. They professed to be serving him, but actually they were showing God no respect by their actions. With their lips, they were honoring him. The Levite priests were doing the long prayers and the sacrifices, but by their actions, they were showing him no respect. And God had warned them, and that's what we're coming into in, in, in uh, chapter 2 here. God had warned the priests that if they did not honor his name, that he would punish them. That he would turn their blessings into cursings. That he would deal with it. And again, we read in the scriptures that we're all familiar with in the New Testament, God is not mocked. What we sow, we will reap. And we need to think about that in our life. God is not mocked. God is at, at work each and every day. When we look at the world and say things are out of control, we're denying the sovereignty of God because God is in control. His word tells us that he is behind the scenes working in everything. We can sit back and we can look at the world today and say, you know, as an expression would say, that the world is going to hell in a handbasket. Or do we see the good that God is doing? God is doing good beyond all the, the commotion that is going on. If we keep our eyes on him, if we look at him. And so in verses 1 and 2, it sort of tells him that, that 
those who have been a, a source of blessing or who should have been a source of blessing are not being that, that source of blessing. And so when we look today, we're going to go through the, the first nine verses today. Hopefully we'll get through that. And uh, it tells us this, O oh, now, O oh, priests. Now I want us to apply this, and again, this is to Israel, but I want us to look as though God were maybe speaking to us. Maybe this is how we can apply it uh, to our life. Now, O oh, priests, this commandment is for you. If you will not hear, and if you will not take it to heart, to give, my to give glory to my name, says the Lord of hosts, I will send a curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. Yes, I have cursed them already, because you do not take it to heart. Behold, I will rebuke your descendants and spread refuse amongst your faces, the refuse of your solemn feasts, and one will take, uh, and one will take you away with it. Then you shall know that I have sent this commandment to you, that my covenant with Levi may continue, says the Lord of hosts. He's got some pretty strong words there as you read this. First off, he says it's a commandment. And so when we look at, at the Old Testament, we can see a lot of laws. There was actually 613 laws in the Old Testament. We see the Ten Commandments that were there. But these commandments are things really that God has told us to do. And guess what? In the New Testament, there's a lot of things that God has told us as believers that we are to do and that we are not to do. And so we can look at this. And he says, this commandment is for you. If you will not hear... And if you will not take it to heart to give glory to my name, says the Lord of hosts, I will send a curse upon you. Now we can look upon that and we can say, well, does God, is he going to curse us in the New Testament? We don't like to think of God that way, but it does say that he will discipline those that are his, his children. Some children will look at a discipline as a, as a cursing. But I want you to think about this. The, the, the points that are being made here is if you will not hear and if you will not take it to heart. That means we're just hearing it and it's going in one ear and it's going out the other. We're not processing it. We're not making it yeast to this lump of dough. We're hearing the words. And there are so many Christians today that hear the words. They know what to say. They can quote the scriptures. They can sound all good in, in what they're doing, but it isn't in being internalized in them. It isn't getting like the yeast that's, that's in a, a, a loaf of bread. Again, when you make a dough, right, of bread and you put yeast in it, it begins to activate that whole lump. That whole lump is changing all the time because that yeast is activated in it. That's what God's word is supposed to do to us as believers. It gets in us and it begins to change us. It begins to convict us. If we're just hearing it and we're not taking it to heart, that means we are not taking God seriously. And that's what he's telling the priest. You're not taking it seriously. You're saying that you're serving me, but you're actually showing me no respect. Does your life fall into that category somewhat? I think if we're honest, our, all of our lives have some aspect of that. But what are you doing about it? You know, there's a saying that says, you know, you can be on the right track, but if you're not moving, you're still going to get run over. Right? You can be on the right track, but if you're not moving, if you're not moving for God, you're going to get run over. Because the Bible tells us that our faith is alive and active. Faith is a, is a, is a word that that motivates us, that changes us. 
Our faith isn't just something that we profess, but it's something that we do. And he says, and I will curse your blessings. We can walk through life and we can have blessings all around us. And we can stray from God. And to get our attention, he may, he may begin to take some of those blessings away from us. The prosperity gospel has, has ruined this in the Christian faith. They'll say, well, if you give money, if you do this, if you do that, you know, the, the things will just come to you. And that's just a lie from the pit of hell. God seeks obedience of our life. He tells us in Romans, he wants our bodies to be a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto him. Now, none of us is perfect. There's none righteous, not one. But that doesn't mean that we're not moving in that direction. That doesn't mean that we're not allowing God to make the changes in our life that he needs to. If they continued, he says, to these priests of Levi, if they continued in their disobedience and refused to render to God the glory that is due him, that there would be consequences for that. And seeing that we understand that God never changes, what do we think about that as believers today? If in our life we are not rendering God the glory that is due Him, do you think He's just going to smile and let us go on our way? Or is He going to deal with that? He tells us, He says, I will rebuke your descendants and spread refuse on your faces. That word refuse, in some translations, is poop, is manure. He says, that's humiliating, isn't it? God says, I'm going to humble you. Well, God gives us a choice. He tells us, humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord. But he says, if we don't do this, he says, we're going to be cursed. And we're going to be made to look awful foolish. Behold, I will rebuke you. I will re put refuse on your faces, the refuse of your solemn feasts, and one will take you away with it. Then you shall know that I have sent this commandment to you. See, God is going to show us his power and his glory. You know, in coming to Christ, we have, we have uh, again, sort of simplicated this fact that just come to Jesus and everything in your life is going to be okay. But yet throughout the New Testament, time and time again, he says, count the cost, count the cost, count the cost of being a disciple for me. You know, when I was young, I used to think about maybe joining the Army or the Marines or something like that, and we got service people here. And one of the things that, that I thought of as a young kid, sort of a foolish mind, but you think about, I don't know if I want to do the boot camp. I like the uniform. I like how the pictures look. I like to travel all around. But I don't know if I want to put in the time during boot camp. Being yelled at by somebody, being made to run, being made to do push-ups, being made to do this and do that. But that's our nature. That's our nature as people. We don't want to be told anything. I didn't want to count, well I counted the cost and I chose not to do it. But yet we come to Christ and we don't count the cost. We don't think about following him. And we just want to continue on our way. But God says that they shall know that I have sent this commandment and that my covenant with Levi may continue, says the Lord of hosts. He wants us to know that he is God. 
and that he is in control. And so this was a fulfillment of the terms of, of the covenant between God and the nation of Israel. And again, you can read, it gets lengthy, but you can read this in Deuteronomy 28. If you read Deuteronomy 28, that chapter, it's going to tell you about this covenant that he had. And there was lots of parts to it. So God is warning his priests that they should listen to the laws that they gave Levi, their ancestor, and follow his example. Follow the example of Levi. Now it tells us in this verses here, my covenant was with him. They're talking about Levi. My covenant was with Levi and Israel. And I gave them to him that he might fear me. So he feared me and was reverent before my name. They asked Billy Graham once, what do you want to hear when you get to heaven? And he said, well done, good and faithful servant. Well, it sounds here like God is giving Levi sort of kudos at this moment. What does it say about him? He feared me and he was reverent before my name. When we look into the mirror of our Christian faith, when we look to see if we're in the faith, two questions come. Are, do we fear God? That word fear is also respect. Do we respect him? Do we reverence him? And it says that he, he says, um, my covenant was of him, of one of life and peace. I gave them to him that he might fear me. So he feared me and was reverent before my name. The law of truth was in his mouth. He spoke the truth. He didn't worry about being politically correct. He didn't worry all the time about, you know, hurting someone's feelings, though I believe he was compassionate. That's part of God's characteristics. But he spoke the truth. And the Bible tells us in the New Testament what? We speak the truth in love. We need to speak that truth in love. The law of the truth was in his mouth. And injustice was not found in his lips. He didn't lie. He didn't cheat. He didn't bend the rules. The priests in Malachi's time were cheating God. They were disrespecting God. They were leading people astray and he walked with me in peace and equity and he turned many away from iniquity for the lips of a priest should keep knowledge and people should seek the law from his mouth for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts now again I'm telling you the New Testament calls us a royal priesthood we are called as ambassadors of Christ. And this is speaking, I believe, also of us today that we could do this and that we should be doing this. We should be speaking the truth. We should be turning people away from iniquity. We should be the messenger of the Lord of hosts. We should be all these things that, that God is calling us to be because life and peace were promised to the Lord, by the Lord, to the Levites for their obedience to those who faithfully adhered to the terms of his covenant. When we come to the Lord's table, we're under a new covenant, aren't we? You understand that we're in a covenant with God yet? If we're born-again believers, we're under that new covenant of Jesus Christ and what he has for us? Are you faithfully adhering to the terms of that covenant? The covenant of Jesus Christ? See, they parallel in a lot of ways. Of course, back in the Old Testament, they're looking forward. In the New Testament, we're looking back. And in return, the promise to the Levites were this. 
that if they would have obedience and service to God, that he would walk with them, that he would bless them. And the task of the priests are to instruct the people in righteousness and obedience, it says in verse 7. For the lips of a priest should keep knowledge and people should seek the law from his mouth. We have a world that is lost. We have a world that is distracted. We have a, a world that is so confused with the things going on and they're looking for an answer. And as a believer of Jesus Christ, as a born-again believer, you have that answer. And are you speaking that truth into their life? The priest that Malachi was addressing, and he was giving a, a strong message. Remember when we opened up in, in chapter 1, verse 1? The burden of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. The burden of the word of the Lord. To give that message that was hard, that was not going to be readily accepted, but that which needed to be said. God has called us to that same thing. There are those sitting here today that need to hear that message. They need to hear that truth that God is not to be mocked. They need to hear the truth of the new covenant. As believers, we need to stop playing church and live as the church is called to live. And the priests that Malachi was addressing, they, they had really disregarded that covenant and they had caused many of the Jews to stumble. But you have departed from my way, verse 8. You have caused many to stumble at the law. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts. Do your actions cause others to stumble? Do your words cause others to stumble? I mean, stumble in worldly ways. Stumble away from the Lord. They had allowed influential and favored people to break the laws. Verse 9 tells us this, but you have departed from the way. You have caused many to stumble at the law. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts. Do we do that with God's word? And I mean, you need to look deep in your heart and say, am I doing this with God's word? Because God's word, when we read it, convicts us on a multiple of levels. Very seldom do I read the, the word of God and, and walk away just feeling better about myself. I can read the, the word of God and I can walk away feeling that there's hope. That hope is in Christ and that there's forgiveness. But most of the time when I read the Word of God, I walk away challenged. That there's more that God wants to do and more that God needs to do. It convicts, as it should. All Scripture is given for a multiple of reasons. To teach, to rebuke, to exhort, to correct, to develop a person in the ways of righteousness. It's not there as some of the TV evangelists would say to to make us feel good about ourselves. To say that I'm good and God's going to look down and oh he's just so pleased with what I'm doing. It says our life service 
is a sweet aroma to him. He loves us. Again, not because of who we are, but because of who he is. And when we look at that, we humble ourselves. And so they had allowed these people to, to really break the law, to disregard the law, to twist the law. And the Bible tells us there should really be no double standard with people as far as wealth or position. But yet we do that all the time. Playing favorites is something that, that God hates. He tells us not to do it. The New Testament church fell into that same pattern. And Malachi was telling these priests, you're not giving honor to God and you're not respecting him. So I ask you, are you listening to God? Are you really hearing what he has to say? Is it pricking your heart and changing your heart in your daily life? Are you challenged by the word of God? Well, God tells us in 1.7 that he would not accept any person or thing that was unholy. What is unholy? Well, the Bible tells us we were unholy before we came to Christ. Christ is our righteousness. Christ is our holiness. Because the Bible says there's none righteous, not one. We've all stumbled. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. There's none righteous. Some people can't even say that. I'm not righteous. Cathedrals used to sing a song, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I stood condemned to death. He took my place. That's a humble statement. My righteousness is of nothing that I do. Not because I pastor a church, not because I'm a chaplain at the prison, not because I give my money to the poor. None of that makes me righteous. I do those things by the leading of the Holy Spirit, by what God has called us to do. I do it to honor God in the things that he has called me to do. What are you doing to honor God in the things he has called you to do? So what is unholy? What were the unholy sacrifices? Well, we talked about those a little bit last week with the, with the polluted offerings, right? Usually when a, an animal was born, the family would say, we're dedicating this to the Lord. But then as time went by and they had a sick old cow, they'd say, well, let's just give this one instead. Because man, this one, other one is turning out pretty nice. I think for some of the critters that they had to be under a year old without spot or blemish. They had to be the finest of the finest. They gave God of their first fruits. They gave God of their best. When we read through the Old Testament, we see that. That's the pattern. If I'm a farmer and I have grains, I give God of my best. I give him of my first fruits. I don't take all what I can and if I have some left over, I give it to him. No, I give him of the best. But what made them unholy? Well, there was something wrong with them. There was something wrong with them. That's what made the sacrifice unholy. And so when we look at our sacrifice to God as our life, and he says our bodies are what? A living sacrifice. Is there something unholy about us that we need to deal with? The priests were unholy because they didn't give honor to God. So I'll tell you in your life, if you're living in a way that is not giving honor to God, your life is not acceptable as a sacrifice to him. It needs to be dealt with. They did not give honor to God. Are you giving honor to God in your life? 
neither did they serve him as their master. Verse 8 of chapter 1 said again, And when you offer the blind as a sacrifice, is it not evil? And when you offer the lame and the sick, is it not evil? Offer then to your governor. Would he be pleased with it? What are you giving God? Are you giving him your all? Leviticus 22, again, you, you can read through that. But Leviticus 22 tells us that God wanted them to offer him perfect animals. He wanted them to offer him the best that they had. Animals that were not perfect were called unclean or unholy. He didn't want that. He wanted their best. And that's really a, a, a reflection of the heart. There's no perfect animal, but when I purpose in my heart to give God the best that I have, that's what he wants. And God told people to kill these animals in order to teach the people about Jesus. In the Old Testament, when they had these sacrifices, and that was the real problem. These sacrifices were a shadowing of things to come in the Messiah, in Jesus Christ. And that's why he wanted them perfect without spot or blemish, because what does the New Testament say? Jesus was our perfect lamb without sin, without spot or blemish. And what happened in Malachi's time is as they were giving these defiled things, these were really a representation of their thoughts of God. And maybe they weren't thinking this outwardly, but it really was a representation. When those Levites priests went to the temple and they offered these things, this was a, a foreshadowing of the Messiah that God was going to send to deliver the world. To usher in his kingdom of eternal life. And so when they took this, it was the best that they had, and they were giving God the best that they had in representation of Jesus who was to come. And so when they started giving sick and lame offerings, sick and lame sacrifices, it infuriated God because it was a representation of what his son was going to be. And he was upset with that. He wanted it to be perfect as Jesus was perfect. First Peter says, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life. You inherited from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without spot or blemish. Today there are still many that just think by their good deeds, by their money, by their... their worldly possessions that somehow they're going to get into heaven. And God says it's none of these things that have redeemed you but the blood of Jesus. And only by the blood of Jesus. And he was that lamb without spot or blemish. Jesus was perfect. The Old Testament, the animals had to die just as Jesus had to die. That God could forgive their evil deeds. The Old Testament, that was the point of the sacrifice. They would come and they would give that and it, it would be a, a symbol and a payment for the sins of Israel. And when Jesus came it was payment for the sins of whosoever would come unto him. God was not interested in the blind or the sick or the lame offerings. It says Jesus came to heal the sick and the blind. By his perfection. 
God didn't want animals that had diseases. God wanted to send Jesus to take us who had the disease of sin in our life and to heal us and to make us righteous towards him. And so God says, I'm not accepting them. He says, even your governor, even your rulers wouldn't accept them. I definitely am not going to accept them. Verse 8, but you have departed from the way. You have caused many to stumble at the law. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord God of hosts. Therefore, I also have made you contemptible and base before all the people, because you have not kept my ways, but have shown partiality in the law. Do not be fooled. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, so shall he reap. You can impress all the people you want to in this world, but God sees through all the facade. He sees through all the masks. He sees through, through all the, the busyness that we may have in his name. And he looks at the heart. Is your heart right with God? Is your heart right with him? As you sit here today and as the Spirit speaks to you, are you willing to say, yes, Lord, whatever it is that you have, I will do. Lord, I have brought you defiled gifts. Lord, I have given you, you know, what I have had left. But Lord, I want to serve you with my whole heart. Just as God would not receive the unclean things that the priests had offered, he's not going to accept bad gifts from us may surprise you as we talked about last week God doesn't need our resources he doesn't need a dime from us matter of fact he doesn't even need us but he loves us and he wants us but what is it that we have that we can offer God that's of really any value to him as we said he owns a cattle on a thousand hills there's nothing we can really bring to him except our life. He wants our life. He wants to be reconciled with us, that we might live for him. He wants the love that he has placed within us to bring us all together, to graft us into that vine. He wants our prayers to be from the heart. He wants our intentions to be pure. And that is something that we need to count the cost because it's hard to do. I don't meet many people who can truthfully and honestly say that the Christian walk is easy day by day. Usually as believers, when we get up, we're faced with challenges. We're faced with decisions. We're, we're faced with crossroads. But you know, somebody once said, a smart man will learn from his mistakes. A wise man will learn from the mistakes of others so he doesn't make the same mistake. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Are you looking towards him? Are you walking in his ways? Are you forsaking all others and leaning only onto him and grasping only onto him? He's the one that paid it all. All to him I owe. Does it say sin had cast a crimson stain, but he made us white as snow? Jesus said this as we close. If you love me, you'll do what I say.
Do you love him? Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for the word of the Lord. We thank you for even these Old Testament prophets. Lord, their word is, is timeless. And though it was for your chosen people back then, and we know that the, the purpose of the law was to keep a nation separate from the world, so it is with your word today. As we as believers read your word and accept the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ, your son, it is to keep us from polluting with the world. You have called us out of the world. Even though we're to be in the world, we're not to be of the world. We're to live different, act different. The world is to see something different. Lord, the question is, is are we hearing your voice? And if we're hearing it, are we listening with our heart? Are we responding in faith and obedience? Lord, I pray for each one here. Lord, as you speak to our hearts, that you would not leave us where we're at. That if there are things in our life that need to be dealt with, Lord, that you continue, Lord, to deal with those in our life. And Lord, as a father loves his children, Lord, if we need correction, if we need discipline, Lord, we ask for it. And even though your word says there's no discipline that seems, you know, enjoyable at the time, we know that in the long run, it's best for us. So Lord, may we be challenged by your word. May we see your word. May we walk in your word. May our, may our eyes be just fixed upon you in all ways and all things. And we ask this now in Jesus' name.